All right, I guess we're live. What's up, everybody? Thanks for holding on for a, a little bit to get us all connected and the tech gods working. Robbie's majestic self is here and um, yeah, excited to kick things off. Hi. Dusty's here, Amber, Gabe. Oh, how goes it? So yeah, here we are again for another week of Let's Talk About Feelings with myself and Dusty Pitstick. And uh, Amber, our honorary uh, third host, who's always here. <laughs> how are you? Awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Hell yeah. It's always great to see you here. Lauren, always great to see you here. Um, uh, I want to start off by saying what a wild time I had last week. Um, coming into Tattoo Collecting 101. Uh, I know. I caught that. Dude, I was listening in. Yeah, that was wild. I did not expect that. Um, I mean, me and Ben have like met in passing at Hell City, and that's about it. And uh, he was so open and like so taken off. Like he was, he was, he was taken off. Uh, he was caught off guard. Really, really, it was funny, but it was awesome because, like, man, he must have cried like ten different times, and. Uh, that's one of my favorite things to make grown men cry in a good way. <laughs> I cried watching him cry. Right. I was, I was on my way to hyperspace. And so um the other girl that usually hosts the show was on with me. And we were just like, oh my God, this is this is incredible. And then Guy, <laughs> we were sitting out there just smoking. So it was me, Guy, and uh Fawn listening to this conversation, and he was just listening to what you guys were saying. It was very cool. That's really cool. That's yeah. really Cool. Oh, um, watching, listening. Teenage Robbie just freaked out a little bit because Guy Aitchison has seen my fucking content, you know. <laughs> like, wow, that's really cool. Uh, but seriously, that was that was a super awesome thing to be invited to do. Uh, I love things like that, and I I love when they're not expected, and that was totally not expected. Um, but yeah, it definitely was. Definitely was huge confirmation that uh, I know what I'm doing and I'm doing a good job doing it. So uh, I always appreciate those moments. Um, and now I have a new friend because me and Ben definitely created uh, quite the connection that day. So uh, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. And it's a nice feeling knowing that like your words make a difference. Uh, I don't know if anyone else goes through this, but like, I often challenge myself, like, who the fuck's even listening? And why the fuck would anybody even give a shit about what I have to say? And then I'm either put in a situation where I realize the power and impact of my words, or I realize the power and impact of somebody else's words. And then I'm like, mind blown. And that was definitely one of those things where I was like, wow, huh, I guess I'm fucking good at this stuff. And words really do mean a lot. Uh, uh, we were saying we never heard him get like that personal, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, Especially and, live, you know? And it, it was weird because like we started out very political um, and I'm not a political jargonist. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? We're talking about <laughs> politics. And then he seemed really interested in what I was doing. Uh, and then that's where you, the, the real good stuff came out. Um, and the cool thing is, you know, it seems that you run into people like that when they need it and he definitely needed it. And uh, that was something I needed too. 
and it was just a really it was a really good time um just filling a need giving somebody the love that they deserve and they're they're not used to receiving uh, and i think that's really what it comes down to is like the self-love thing is a fucking journey i've been on a lot lately uh so much so that it's it is the the object of my morning meditations every single morning um and self-love is just something I've been tapping into, trying to uh, developing more, more of a neural pathway to that. So let's talk about self-love today, guys. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. So Dusty, let me hear you weigh in on some self-love talk. I know you've probably had a few um, self-love moments in the past few weeks. Man, have I ever. Uh... <laughs> I was going to make a masturbation joke and then you kind of put me on the spot there. Uh, but no, I, I, I actually have, um, I left a shop. Uh, everything is still love and I'm working at a new shop and it's all good, but it was definitely a situation where there was a lot of anxiety over like, okay, am I doing good because I'm surrounded by really tall people that are really good at their art? Is this all an imposter syndrome thing? Am I going to be all right? And like, I feel like I'm already just so many kind words, so many people reaching out, so much stuff. And instead of my usual wait for the other shoe to drop, you know, spastic self that's just freaking out about everything, I'm just kind of rolling with it. And feeling positive and loving everything about it and it is hard uh you know when you got so much change in your life and so much going on but finding my versions of self-love and being able to step back and be like yeah I am doing a good job and yeah like people aren't just wishing me well because they want to be nice like people actually think all right things of me and things are going okay and I'm I'm rolling with it and that's that's my biggest self-love style is just being able to the whole thing we talked last week like chill out and be like hey people must be nice for a reason no one's I'm sure plenty of people are being polite actually but you know thing like I can believe this and I can believe it about myself and that's just believing in your own hype that you give yourself is like my biggest Do you guys catch that last said believing in your own hype? I liked hearing that. Yeah, I've never really it. heard that before. Yeah. Well, and it's true, you know, like um, if you're yeah. if you're your hype man, you know, you're you're gonna be the most effective because you're always with yourself. You know? <laughs> how how often do we go on Instagram and we're like, man, I'm that's that's how I feel. We're losing the shit out of you. Yeah, you're breaking up, Dusty. It's funny though, because I really do feel that jumbled a lot of the time. So yeah. <laughs> all right, Dusty, if you can hear us, you are frozen. Oh, and he lost all internet connection. Oh no. Hopefully he'll be back soon. That's right. Yeah, this, these things typically happen. Yes. It's weird. I, I had my computer shuffling the other day Zoom call, and uh, I popped back in, and everything was just there still. Zoom is really amazing. It's pretty mm -hmm. cool. So how have you been doing, Amber? I've been doing great. I accepted a compliment. 
Wow. Okay. And I felt I felt like it was warranted, and I just said thank you, and it made me happy. Wow. And that was Talk it. About a breakthrough. Hey, looky there. Doing big fucking things here, Dusty. You're on mute. Sorry about that. Dayton, Ohio claimed me. <laughs> Dayton. That was so yeah. weird the other day when we were rolling through Dayton, Robbie. Same What's that? day. You were going. I was Dayton? rolling through Dayton as you were there. Oh mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. It's fucking wild. I, it's so weird how how Dayton, Ohio, has seemed to be like a hub for me lately. Like, what the fuck? Where? <laughs> why would Ohio be a place for me? But you know, hey, it's a thing. <laughs> Same. Uh, Dusty, we lost. I find myself at... there all the time. Where you live at, Lauren? Oh, Wisconsin. Oh, okay. So you're in the middle. Oh, right, right next to Ohio. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Dusty, we lost you at when you're scrolling through Instagram. Yeah. Oh, the, just to finish up that Instagram, you're a lot happy, but you're or this and that in your head. You're so like, oh, man, that one line, or you have little issues with your art or whatever but the client's happy. People are happy. You're posting how excited you were for it. And so like, that's your own hype that you're like, you're building yourself up to sell yourself to others. Why is it so hard to equally be like, you know what? Maybe some of this is true. Maybe I'm all right. Maybe things are going good. And uh, so, yeah, I'm kind of forcing myself when I type those things to be like, don't type them if you mean them. Uh, and so now maybe you should mean them and believe them. And that has been my big self-love moment for a couple months now is just being like, look, maybe uh, maybe some of this is true and I got to roll with that and own up to it and act like uh, not terrified. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the weird thing, owning up to your greatness, like owning up to all the beauty and wonder that you bring this world. Uh, it's so odd to think of it like that because like, you know, it's usually the, the other truths we're owning up to. But uh, one thing that, Dusty, you know, because you're in the class, uh, I've been talking a lot about the lie versus the truth. And uh, the lie is what we tell ourselves. And the truth is inside of us all the time. And it's so funny how we walk around acknowledging the lie as the truth and looking at the, as, at the truth as like pain. And like, yeah. it's, really, it's really weird to be pained by our own greatness. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's interesting to have to like grow the fuck up and face that. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's because of the stuff Amber was just saying last week about, you know, oh, I have no problems with constructive criticism. It's the compliments. And that was me for, I mean, shit, 36 years of my life was I can hype myself up to others when it's, oh, I'm trying to do better. Oh, I'm sorry I did this. Oh, I'm, you know, that hey, you know, I meant to do this and I didn't. I'm really sorry. Like, I can own up to all that. Mm. But whenever I'm saying, you know, you know what? I fucking rocked the shit out of this piece of art or I did something really awesome for someone today or any of that stuff. It's so hard to own up to that. You're like, no, I'll just keep that compartmentalized over here. And, you know, I don't want to come off as arrogant or braggy. Uh, and exactly. then start to doubt yourself. And man, the, the more it takes, I think they say, you know, three, three weeks to build a habit and three months 
to really stick with it. And it's been a couple months now, but I'm finally starting to really actually believe when I say certain things. Like, yeah, you know what? Thank you. I, I did try my best. And I do think that it showed that it's not me shying away and just being like, thanks, I'm going to run now. Right. One thing that I love that I, that's been coming up for me a lot is uh, the giant looks in the mirror and sees a person, not a giant. And it's very easy uh, to be taken away from the reality of being a giant and then feeling so small when really you're a fucking giant and there's no reason to feel small other mm. than from programming and other than your own, you know, social situation that you, you know, believe that you've come to believe for so long. Uh, I still um, battle a lot with self-image stuff, like physical self-image. But if I see a dude that looks like me, I'm like, that dude's pretty badass. You know, so it's really <laughs> how, um, how we go through these situations and we can find the good in everyone else, but us is the hardest one to find the good in. So uh, it's an interesting journey. And I'm really, I'm proud of you for fucking, because man, it was August that we started talking about the class. And, you know, that was your biggest thing. You were like, man, it, people are saying nice things to me and I don't know how to take it. And like, now it's like turned, that practice has turned into more of a default. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm actually not so shitty. And I'm, aside from that, I'm actually pretty good. And I'm really good. <laughs> Do you guys if, mind if I uh, read a YouTube comment real quick? No, not at all. Yeah. All right. So Mike G, first of all, thanks for watching and tuning in. Um, he says, hey, Robbie and friends, I love the show. I'm so happy I have time to listen today. He said, Robbie, I've motivated people on my sobriety journey and always feel the same way when trying to motivate others. Did I just get lucky or are my world words actually powerful? Um, you have helped <laughs> me with confidence, though. I So I keep sharing and keep speaking in hope of inspiring others. Thank you. Is what Mike G says. That is, Mike G sounds really familiar. Um, so if this is the same dude that wrote me a comment saying the similar thing, thank you. Because uh, someone wrote me a comment saying that I have helped them uh, become sober. And I think that's beautiful. I think that's amazing. Uh, even though like sobriety isn't a focus of my journey, the fact that like my journey is helping others like with like this specific thing that uh, it's just really wild. Uh, it's, it, it takes me back. Um, so yeah, if you couldn't tell, I'm a little fucking jumbled um, because that's, I guess it's hard to receive something so powerful. Uh, and so Mike G, you're the man, dude. Uh, I'm proud of you. And seriously, you are inspiring others on your journey because anytime you share your journey with others, there's something powerful that happens there. Uh, when I when I opened up my first class, um, my life has changed drastically since then. Uh, and it's a lot of micro adjustments, but like I am noticing people notice me. I am accepting and receiving of all the good things. And it's really brilliant to see that happen in real time. And then to have people like, uh, I just had this guest artist in the shop, uh, Eric Long, phenomenal dude. He's the dude that throws the Hunts Vegas tattoo convention. Um, and we had this weird exchange where you know, he's like, what's it like to be changing the world? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm kind of still in that whole like fog of like, I'm coming out of the fog of like knowing that what my power is. And he's like, wake up, motherfucker. And then no more than 10 minutes later, I'm having to tell him, wake up, motherfucker, because 
he's not acknowledging his greatness that is so fucking apparent to me and everyone else in the room. So I think it's, I think it's really interesting. Um, so Mike, uh, how you said, you know, uh, did I just get lucky? Fuck no, you didn't, bro. You, this is, this is on purpose. You did this um, and it's for a purpose and you're doing great. So thank you for sharing that with us. It's really cool to be acknowledged and then also help people remember who they are in that acknowledgement. Um, because yeah, the acknowledgement is, is such a thing. It's such a, such a thing. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's such a battle for a lot of us. Um, and we, we constantly highlight that here. And I think it's really cool. Um, so switching topics right quick, uh, back to the tattoo. I don't even know if I talked about that. The guest artist that was in town rock, he tattooed me. Um, and I've always loved this song, Look At Me Now by Paul Wall. And uh, I've been wanting this tattoo for over 10 years. And we were sitting in the back of the shop and we thought he had an appointment and he didn't. And I was like, yo, why don't you fucking tattoo me? And he's like, what you want? And I was like, the Paul Wall portrait. And like this dude that I had just really met in person a couple days ago is now about to do like a super fucking important tattoo to me. Uh, and like, it's so cool to see those things that you've been wanting for so long start to come into fruition. Um, and another great thing happened. I sat for two days and it was terrible and I hate getting tattooed and I couldn't believe I was that strong. And there was points where like I was sleeping through the tattoo. So um, really weird stuff to acknowledge your growth in a number of different avenues at the same time. And so even cooler than that, the day before he was in the shop, I was tattooing one of my friends and um, he lost his arms and his legs like a couple days after I lost my leg. Uh, so he's got no arms, no legs, just the, the elbow and knee joints. And uh, I wanted to, I wanted to do something special. So I, didn't I can show that to everybody if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be great. So, um, okay. okay. I, uh, I tattooed him and I was like, you know what, man? I just want to fucking do something nice for you. So here, this is a gift. And then Rock, when he tattooed me, he was like, I seen the way you blessed that dude. I want to bless you too. And I was like, holy shit. And it, so it was just like a really cool time um, of just love giving in the past few days. And another artist started the cross, but uh, I just went through and colored everything and uh, added the clouds and things. But um, that was such a brilliant day, spending time with Gary. I mean, this fucking guy, he's just so powerful. Like the first time I fucking met him, I walked into the shop and he was in the shop already and he's sitting there with his fucking nubs like typing on his phone and i was like holy shit this guy's insane like wow and so sitting there talking to him while i was tattooing him he's like he challenged himself every day to a small task and he said the first task he tried was plugging his cell phone into the charger and he said it took him three fucking hours to do that and now it takes him five seconds and so like it's so wild to see the things that we're capable of, uh, especially when push comes to shove and when we're forced into a situation that we're not equipped to deal with, uh, which is why it's so cool to have sounding boards like that. Because if Gary can fucking figure out how to plug in his phone and countless other things, 
why the fuck can't we just learn to love ourselves some more? And use that, use that same fucking formula of one little thing every day. Love myself a little bit more every day. Push for that a little bit more every day. And something that seemed impossible takes days. And then the days turn into hours. And then the hours turn into minutes. Minutes turn into seconds. And now you can love yourself like that. So it's really cool to be able to have people like that in my life that bring me so much motivation. Um, but also kind of an instruction guide. If Gary had the patience to sit there for three fucking hours and plug in his phone, why don't I have the patience to sit there and figure out how to love myself? Yeah. So yeah, that was the momentary rant. Uh <laughs> and it is, that is such a like perspective granting moment too. And I am big on losing perspective and then kind of having to slap myself in the face with it. But when you think about like, Oh, my problem is that people are nice to me and I have trouble dealing with it. And then you think of like yeah. a human being with no fucking arms trying to plug in a cell phone and like, okay, maybe my problems aren't that bad. Uh, maybe yeah. they're actually awesome things that I'm turning into problems when they're not, they're supposed to be fucking rad things. Um, Bro, you so just Turning it's such problems. a hard thing to, you know, but that perspective is like the next time that I want to, you know, feel down on myself about anything, I'll try and plug my phone in with my elbows and very quickly remind myself that uh, life is the shit. Dude, yeah. For, at one point in time, he was like, we ordered uh, Italian subs from the place next door. And he's like, you ever seen a guy with no hands eat a sub? I was like, no. He goes, <laughs> Buckle up, motherfucker. <laughs> so, like, not only like has he has he pushed himself and is able to do things, he's learned how to ask for help, but he's also learned how to know what he can do and what he can accomplish. Because it would be very easy for him to be like, "No fingers, you plug in my phone, wife," you know, and she'd be fucking happy to do it. But. He's like, no, I can do this. And I'll ask for help in the other areas. And that was one of the things he told me. He's like, it's been really humbling being forced to ask for help and being okay with that. Um, and so we're, we're two men here, but we're also two women. So as men, we believe we have to take care of things, right? Like that's our job. We're the, we're the, we're oh, the yeah. protector and we're the supplier, we're the supporter. Um, as women, what is the things that you guys seem to take? Like every man seems to have that, like, I need to rule this roost because it's on my shoulders. Uh, would it be safe to say that a lot of the, the stereotype that goes along with the woman is you're like this support system and you're like really quietly keeping it all together, even though no one knows how to, and it's a thankless job. So yeah, let's hear some of that. Amber. Um, well, you. <laughs> how do I put this into words that anybody's going to understand? I feel like the women are the emotional support system. Right. Because we typically, stereotypically, are better at emotions. Women are seen as more emotional and men are seen as less emotional. When men aren't less emotional, they've just been conditioned to not show it. Mm, that's true that's true i always say uh being tough during tattoos doesn't mean you're tough being tough is just hiding your pain better 
Yes. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. What's your thought on that, Lauren? Um. Geez, I guess I'm kind of not sure exactly how to answer it, but like in the in the dynamic, a traditional dynamic, you know, let's just say within the home. Personally, I feel like I've conditioned at least past relationships to be like, um, I think ahead. I'm always thinking of everything and yeah. there's branches and all these things. Whereas I feel like uh, in terms of a man, it's one thing at a time, it's steps. And I'm yeah. not sure how that would answer your question because I got a little dazed when you were saying it. Like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's and it's not like uh, you know, my son's father. He's he's not like that at all. But I also attributed to he's a twin and his twin is a, a girl. And sometimes I wonder if that made any difference or whatever. But I feel like um, you know, as as uh, men are exposed to these conversations and stuff, it, it's like a growth period, and they do understand and they can be enlightened and such. But the biggest comparison I found is where our minds are and the fact that like typically women are doing many, many, many things in their head at once. Yes. And it's, that's kind of how I felt. And you know, like imagine what it would be like if your arms and legs were taken away. Now you have to think about all the many, many things that you need to do. That would be a, that would be very difficult for a female. I, I would assume. Yeah. 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 For anyone. Cause anyone, and then, yeah. so it's interesting, like, because like if, you know, if you feel like your job is to do a million things, you know, with men, like our job is to do a million things, but in a different way, it's just really wild to think about what it takes to push through a situation that's difficult. Uh, and I think that's, that's one of the things that people like about me. And I think that's one of the things that people like about struggle. When people see someone go through struggle, like I love it. When somebody that I look up to, I see them struggle and I'm like, wow, okay, maybe you'll help me get tools to get through my struggles because yeah. I don't know how I'm going to make this. <laughs> or like just the other day, I seen a, a dude with one leg doing a backflip from standing. And I was like, huh, I always wondered if that was possible for us. I guess it is. So <laughs> really interesting to see what we're capable of when faced with adversity. Uh, and like back to Dusty saying how like, our problems are kind of silly when it's like, oh yeah, I'm just concerned that people like me and I don't know how to accept that. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting place to sit in. It's a, it's a different perspective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's like, and the thing too, you know, our pain is our pain. So there's never like, oh, it's not real because it's stupid. You know, like it could be kind of silly and minuscule, but still be huge and real and major and not be stupid and not feel stupid. And like, your pain is your pain. And that's a really weird thing uh, to acknowledge. And then to work through. Can't remember who I was talking to about it the other day, but we were talking about like growth and stuff. And they were saying like, it just never ends, does it? And I've had that yeah. times where I've been talking to somebody I look up to and I'm like, huh, even you, huh? They're like, yep, even me. I'm not immune. And I'm like, fuck, fuck. <laughs> like, even at your age, yep, keeps going, yep. never stops. I'm like, fuck, <laughs> like, I never get to stop running this race of sorts on how to deal with life. So it's interesting. I was uh, watching this video the other day um, and it was um, on Amazon. It's called I Am. Have you guys ever seen that? Uh -uh. 
I can't remember the director, but the guy who directed like some different Jim Carrey movies or whatever. And they were one of the things that I thought was interesting is they were talking about like, um, you know, the roots of the community and how people really, really naturally community, a sense of community amongst humans is the norm. That's actually what we crave the most. And they were talking more about like uh, greed and how that type of, you know, taking everything and hoarding for yourself was considered a mental illness. Oh. And stuff. So it's so weird if we think back and we think, well, how would I have done this if I was, you know, in a native culture or whatever? And I think, well, you know, if you're not so cynical of some of the things coming in, which is so natural now because there's so many false compliments and you're thinking, well, why did you tell me that? What's your ulterior motive? Mm. <clears throat> so that you get a little bit, like I said, cynical of those compliments. But when you can kind of take a breath and you realize that your most optimal state is as a community loving each other back and forth accepting and giving accepting and giving that's your optimal state so really you're not really doing yourself any favors by deflecting any sort of compliment that's you know virtuous and true wow yeah that's wild yeah and the community is so important and we do need that so much and when people are like oh it's just silly i just want to be loved it's like no that's actually not silly at all love is no. super it's to be loved and to, it's like, Robbie, you were telling me that one point and I forget what we were talking about. It was that one day. And I think you said something of like, it's be when you can give what you receive, it's almost better. And it's just like taking something and perpetuating it rather than just blocking it out. You can't perpetuate right. something you blocked out. Right. Yeah. And then like, I always like to say that when, when someone tells you something nice and you negate it, you may as well slap them in the face. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what it fucking feels like. I love you. You're perfect. No, I'm not. It's like, ah, oh, why? Okay, I feel stupid for acknowledging your magic now. You know, so uh, it's a very interesting thing. This, how much of it is for us? <laughs> Donna just screamed, I love you. You're perfect from the other room. Thank uh -oh. you. You're perfect. Like the, sun, the light rays coming in on you, Dusty, are perfect. I know. Like, that's when incredible. <laughs> With it's the so heart. Oh, I fucking love it. Like, when, Robbie, when someone compliments you, what do you do next? Do you just say, hey, thanks? Or do you go and feel excited and maybe compliment someone else and just continually? When it comes down to it and I'm paying, when I'm paying attention, you know, I, I take it in. I soak it in. You know, I, I let them, I let them feel that what they've just done. Like one of my friends when I started this rad movement stuff, he was like, dude, I was like, I feel bad. I feel guilty because I like it. I like the feeling of making someone else feel good. And he's like, that's okay. And that can be a motivator. You mm. know, like if it's not your only motivator, it's okay to be like, wow, I did something nice and I feel good too because of it. Like don't stop doing the nice thing because you feel selfish. Uh, so yeah. It, yeah. It's always, it's always a, a kind of the try to make the train move when someone tells me hey uh you know you look great or this and that i, I try to think okay how can i replay this or relay this back to them you know uh, how can i compliment their shirt or their glasses oh, or the, yeah <laughs> giving the transactional response that is that is my go-to it's like it is now a, a transaction where it's like oh dude that hat is great and you immediately want to it's almost kind of a cop-out. It's a little bit of a deflection because you want to make them feel good, but you also feel like slightly obliged when you're a people, like a people pleaser to be like, that's awesome. I love your hat. And you really mean it, but then it comes off as very like, 
uh, I don't know how to take this, so I'm just going to throw it back at you in the nicest way possible. Well, then you just take it and then give the compliment. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I, yeah. in, I read this book called The Life of a Daymaker. Um, basically, it's just a human that goes around, like you being a human that goes around making people's day. Just like, I love your shirt. Here's a dollar, you know, because I see you struggling at the coffee shop or, you know, whatever the fuck these nice little niceties are. Um, and when you take in what they say and allow them to make your day and then ping pong it back to them, then you take yeah. the first, you know, it's like, thank you. I receive that. And I want to give you something as a token because, hey, it's nice to love each other. Yes. So, you know, reframes are important. I feel like a lot of the time and reframes are something like in the, the coaching and like self-help and motivational world, reframes are really normal. But like we weren't taught reframes as children and we fucking should have been. Yeah. You know, like if we could have a, a, a class called reframing your thoughts or reframing your words like holy shit how much of a difference could that make in the world because if we were taught how to take i'm so stupid because i failed this test and turned it into i wasn't prepared maybe i'll just do better next time like man what kind of humans could we fucking create i feel like we would take over our government if they fucking raised us like that you yeah <laughs> I personally work really hard on reframing my kids, you know, and their thoughts, but I never actually heard it like that, Robbie. That was the first time I even heard that phrase that way, reframing your thoughts. Right. And and that's the thing. I've learned a lot of that through all the coaching that I've fucking gone through in the past few years. Mm -hmm. um, I've paid a gut-wrenchingly large amount of money for fucking different coaches. <laughs> um, and uh, it's paid off in a number of ways um and one of them is the reframe concept uh and it's happened so many times from so many different people that i'm like wow and then like it ha it, it when people that you look up to are talking to you about reframing it really makes you want to fucking work on it yeah because you're like wow i've paid money to be here and listen to these words and now this person actually is feeding enemies on some real shit yeah reframes are super important and a big thing that I think we should all have in our mental toolkit, um, you know, like part of the part of the magical mother motherfucker method is like checking yourself and then acknowledging what you need to pull out of your toolkit to adjust what you've just witnessed in that checking moment. And uh, the reframe is one of the most important things because, you know, how many times I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. You know, I fucked this up big time. Oh God, I really fucking suck. Oh, I must be a loser because of this. I did it the other day. Oh, I, I'm just some fucking loser that doesn't know how to make money. And it's like, no, I'm just somebody who's fucking battling with a poor relationship with money. And these are some of the lies that come up shrouded under the truth. Because the truth that's, you know, or over the truth, the truth that's under there is what that lie is trying to protect. Like, don't let that truth come out that truth comes out, people will think you're bougie or they'll think you're fucking proud of yourself or super proud of yourself or overconfident or cocky. And it's like, man, I've gotten to the point where I'd rather fucking you be confused about me being cocky or confident than me being small because I don't want to make myself feel small for no reason because yeah. I'm conditioned to that. 
And, you know, how many core memories do we have wrapped around being small and almost being rewarded for being small? You know, like, I think all of us. So, yeah, that's the end of that tangent right there, too. They just kind of come and go, you know. You said something, though, that other people's opinions of us. Yes. They shouldn't matter. <laughs> Have you and ever heard? I, I suffer from this, too. And I find myself, why am I worrying about someone else's opinion? Do yeah. they have to look me in the face in the mirror in the morning? I'm the only one who's got to be able to look me in the eye in the morning when I get up and go in the mirror. And what other those thoughts that you project about what they're thinking about you, like you're projecting something you really don't know. So if you're trying to please them in any way or make yourself look or feel or seem a certain way, it's still stuck in your own head. Yeah. You know? And uh, what other people think of you is none of your fucking business anyway. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I actually, I go through this where like, if I hear something I shouldn't have heard about me, then I get mad at the person that told me that. And then I'm mad at the person that said that. And now I'm mad at a bunch of people. And now I could run around like a fucking firing squad blowing everybody's brains out for fucking hurting my feelings with some shit I wasn't supposed to hear. Or I could just accept that's not my truth. It's none of your business. It's not none your my, problem. None of my fucking business. And whatever, whatever combative truth or lie they're trying to throw at me against my truth doesn't fucking matter. My truth is my truth. And what they fucking think doesn't, it's none of my fucking business. Yeah. Absolutely none of my business. And, and that's a hard, go ahead, Dusty. Oh, I was going to say, there, there's something to be said for, like, it's a little situational. I hate to be like, oh, everything's gray. But, like, if people are pissed at you because you're a Holocaust denier, then, like, you might have to take a step back and be like, oh, I'm the one fucking up. But as a whole most of this applies to it's always people that it's something about your integrity it's something about your personality it's something about the way you look and all of that stuff like the biggest thing that I've learned over the years with trying to I'm a chronic people pleaser and I'm some of it I roll with some of it I'm trying to overcome I used if to be you if you went out of your way to fix something for someone else aside from the fact that it's more than likely going to be at the detriment of who the fuck you are like, oh, let me change who I am to please someone else is already just silly anyways. But if you, like that person just wanted a reason to be salty at that point. Some people right. just thrive on that. And if it wasn't, if people didn't like Robbie because, you know, he wears really loud clothing and he kind of like has a really wild sense of style. If he rolled up in his black suit and tie, then it would all of a sudden be, well, the way that he talks about that, like they're looking right. for something. They're looking for something to be Right. It's like the more that you go out of your way to change that, the more that like you're just giving them more ammunition to just find more shit to not like versus just being able to take a step back and be like, okay, cool. You don't like me. Oh, well, you know, not every flavor is for everybody. I'm going to go mm -hmm. focus on this stuff instead, which well, is a really long winded way of saying like fucking stay in your own lane and don't worry about it. But it is just, 
<laughs> again, perspective to step back and be like, look, they weren't going to fuck with you anyways. Why right. bother to try? And again, there's always those extremes at the top. Oh, they don't like you because you stabbed their roommate. You, you know what? Stop stabbing me. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. But outside of that, uh, you know, just don't. Don't bother. There's just no fun in that pursuit. What were you going to drop? I was going to say a uh, real quick. Yeah, you remember you were talking about, and this is all I ask your question, you said the, the relationship between the lie and the truth. But that's yes. not necessarily entirely internal because my truth and your lie seem to have some sort of relationship if what you think mm. kind of impacts what I feel, you know? Right. So your lie and my truth, you know, don't let those two really um, commingle at all. Right, and you know, like, that goes you know back what I mean? Go ahead. Oh, like that goes that goes back to like what other people think about you is none of your fucking business. You know, so that way your truth gets to stay exactly where it stays, where it needs to, in the safety of its own box. And then your lie stays out that you know, the external lie stays out of that box. So yeah, like Every time I find myself getting wrapped up and stuff, like great analogy in my brain is um, when I was on Ink Master. I was used to tattooing for me and the client. So there was two perspectives I needed to worry about. There was two people I needed to please. I needed to get my client on board with my vision. And then when I got them on board with my vision and we could lock into the same lane together, we could go on this beautiful journey and I create a sick tattoo they're happy. I'm happy. Life is beautiful. When I go on Ink Master, now I've got fucking three more people up there judging it. So now my usual one and two, me and the client, is now sullied up by three, four, and five. Exactly. And now, like, I've decided, because Donna likes watching Ink Master, so I, I give in every so often, and I can do it sometimes. Sometimes, like, I still get triggered. Watching my season really triggers me. Sometimes watching this, the new season still triggers me. But I'm watching it and I'm like, and I'm watching people have that struggle. And I'm just thinking, man, if this is something I ever do again, you know what I'm going to do? Tattoo for me and the client. Fuck that shit. Yeah. Because you know? <laughs> worrying about what the judges think is just paying attention to more people's truth or lie that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. And being governed by their shit, like being governed by outside forces is not a happy, healthy, or safe way to live. And I think because we've been grown up to be people pleasers, we don't realize it's unhealthy to, to overly people please. Because like my chiropractor, she says, you know, the most important spine in, in the office is your own. So that the chiropractor has to take care of themselves first before anyone else, um, you know, on an airplane, put on your mask first and then help others. If you're not here, you can't fucking help others. So taking care of you first is the most important. And a good way of doing that is paying attention to your truth and deflecting the lie. And it's funny because I've done meditation for years and there's been times with my words, I'm like, I don't believe this is working. Just like, I don't believe my words have power. Um, and then you realize, wow, all these years of meditation practice that I've put in, are actually beneficial to me, you know, at 41 years old. And I've been doing this for almost 10 years now. Like, oh, okay, cool. 
So take that and put it into the long haul of life, accepting that, you know what? Sometimes it will take 10 years to fucking see progress. And like surrendering to that. Yeah. That's a hard one. Surrender in general is a hard one. Um, That's one of the things that I acknowledged with one of my coaches the other day that my relationship with money is missing a lot of surrender. Surrendering to what if I go broke? What's, what's, what's that going to look like? What's that going to feel like? And the truth is, man, you know how fucking hard it would be for me to go broke. Like, <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm too on top of the shit. So the truth of the matter is I just have to surrender to the feeling sit down with it, let it be, let it speak, let it fucking have its time, let it vent as Donna says. Cause when I fucking, when Donna gets into venting mode, I start trying to fix things and now she's combating me, now we're fighting. But if I just allow her to vent, we don't fight because that's me showing her love and support. So if I allow my fucking ailments of the brain to vent, and just allow my money worries to go and be like, hey, buddy, just put my hand on its fucking knee and be like, we're going to be fine. Let's just surrender to this feeling. So it's really interesting going through these things in my life that um, the micro adjustments, because it's the little things. It's not one grand gesture that changes your life hardly ever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the tiny things. Quit drinking soda, start drinking more water, walk 15 minutes a day. You're going to want to start doing more things that build on those things. And then now you're healthier. You know, oh, you want to get more in your eye. Yeah. I'm sorry. They, you know, they say like two things first. Mike has commented on YouTube again. And but I'll say something first. But, um, you know, like when you if you're going to walk 15 minutes every day, your body gets used to it. And then it's like, well, 15 minutes isn't going to do the same as now. If I start walking 20 minutes, I'm going to get a little bit more out of it. Well, I then I should work. probably start walking 25 minutes and maybe I'll add a little run for five minutes, you know? Yeah. So that's another thing with, um, once you establish that foundation, that's, that's your new level. Like you can keep compounding on that. Um, but yeah. Mike G, thanks for commenting again. He said, awesome points, guys. Not hating yourself for the mistakes you've made is one of the most important concepts I believe in. I used to Ooh. exhaust myself trying to use the negativity to motivate change always exhausted myself to the point I gave up caring about fixing the mistakes so I'd have nothing to hate for myself for. But of course, mistakes never go away when I did that. Wow. And that's like ultimate surrender right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the things that like we typically hate ourselves for, you know, like, oh, I'm so stupid. I did this wrong. I did that wrong. That's one of the things I'm really trying to change about myself. When I catch one of those rumination loops where I'm like, man, you shouldn't have did that. It's like, I'll talk to Donna about it. I'll be like, look, this is on my brain. She'll be like, man, I felt that too. And I'll be like, okay, cool. We both felt it. Now we can move on. You know, <laughs> like, yep. so it's really interesting how, how freeing that venting can be. Look at that puppy shit. I like how he said, trying to use the negativity to motivate change. Dude, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah, for most of my life, I use negativity as fuel. But when you use positivity as fuel, wow, that's a different motivator. That's a different life. And now you're on the positive track through the trek. So when you're fucking, you know, 
sludging through the mud and the grime and the dirt and fucking climbing the mountains. If you stay positive, now you're in a positive mindset to start. And then that positivity is fueling you in a more healthy fashion. So yeah, that's Mike, you're a killer, dude. I fucking love the way you think. I love the things you're on. Uh, and that's really so important just to, to have that mindset and to know, you know, who I am and what I'm doing here and make a good purpose out of it. Yeah. And there's, there's something to be said for, it kind of mixes with what you were saying about the, if you walk 15 minutes a day, then the next day, maybe you walk 15, you know, 20 a month later, you're walking 20 and you jog for five. Like you can always build up, but you can't, you, you can lose a lot quicker than you can gain, unfortunately, with a lot of things. But if you lose one day, it's not the end of the world. And if you walk 15 minutes every day for a week and then the next weekend you, or the next week you walk 20 and by the end of that summer, you're jogging 20 minutes every day. If one day you wake up feeling like ass and you just don't go outside, it doesn't negate all of the good that you did. And we are so guilty as people of letting one bad day undo months of positivity and yeah. you know you had said that and i'm thinking that and right as you say that and i'm thinking like yeah but you know don't let the one bad day everything and mike swoops in in the comments and says that and it is one of those things that you can let negativity fuel that of like oh i did i missed this one day though and it's like you have to be able to allow yourself the grace of knowing that once in a while, the healthiest thing to do, all of my friends that like I jog every morning or I try to jog every morning. Uh, a lot of my friends that are really diehard fitness people that like work out nonstop, nonstop, they'll get like, you know, the fall cold that everybody gets and they have to take two or three days off because they're just not feeling it. And they realize it's only when you finally take that rest that you're like, oh shit, I didn't realize how much I needed this. And then you just go back in that much stronger. And like, you know, you, you've got to avoid letting that negativity fuel you too much because then it just focuses on those aspects of like, well, I didn't walk that one day. And it's like, man, I, that one day of not walking probably did your body so much more good to just yeah. rest and eat a fucking donut and watch the Simpsons and just let your mental and physical health just rehabilitate for a day. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think, I'm I'm very guilty of it. I've finally gotten better, but for the longest time, if I miss one day, oh, I, my watch tells me I hit my step goal 20 days straight. And then if you miss that one day that you don't hit your goal, mine's like an auto-correcting one. So it'll drop it from 10,000 steps to 9,000 and be like, oh, we saw you missed one day. Here's a little crutch to get you back up. And I will harp on that shit. I will harp on that shit for so long instead of being like, I still walk 9,000 steps. And I hit 10,000 at least every other day. Like, it's so easy to fall into that one little thing. And you just can't, you have to look back and be like, shit, remember when I could walk for 10 minutes and now I'm jogging right. 20 minutes a day or whatever. And yeah, uh, so, yeah, so, so Mike, you are awesome. And it's awesome to see that you're not letting the negativity fuel that so much as the positivity. Focus on all the good aspects of sobriety, all the cool things you've done, all of the awesome stuff and don't, don't stew on that uh the negative sides of it too much yeah no i completely agree with that man you know that that was a concept somebody brought to me years ago that i never could lock in the place and the question was like you know you've been you've been fueling with negativity so long what happens if you change 
you know, what happens if you shift that into being fueled oh, that's by scary. what's that, Amber? That's a scary thing when you first thinking about trying to make that shift. And why is it scary? Like, oh, you're going to be putting cleaner fuel into your body and brain and thoughts. But no, that's scary because we like this dirty fuel. Like <laughs> Because the dirty fuel is easy. Ooh, damn, girl, you hit it. It's so yep. it's so much easier to feel anger or fear mm. or negativity. Think about how much positivity you have to feed yourself yeah. in your mind's diet to keep you positive. And then it just takes a tiny bit of negativity. And then it's like a wildfire. Now, let okay. me play devil's advocate here. Is it that it's easy or is it that it's what you know? Familiar. Ooh. That's why well, it's easy. And that's what makes and it, it easy, it's, it's easy so familiar. because it's what you know. It's right. not that yes. negativity is easy. You're just used to it. Yep. So that, yeah. that shift in mindset of, oh, well, this is what's easy to, no, this is what I know. Living in positivity a year from now when, you know, I get over all these hills and I get all of the dirty fuel out of my car and it's running on the clean shit. You're going to be like, man, I'm not mad all the time. I'm not hating everything. I don't hate life. Like that is easier. It's just hard to get out of what you know and make that change. That's the hard part. It, but the it's hate hard to leave your isn't comfort easy. Zone. Yeah. I well, feel like it, and on the flip side of this, we could find somebody from like that movie Pleasantville that just lives in small town USA and like the leave it to beaver scenario and be like, well, why don't you, why don't you be hateful? And then be like, oh, well, this is what's easy because it's what they know. And it's the complete yeah. opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, you know, it's, it's less that, yeah, just don't think that hatred is easy. It's just, it's what we already know. And it's easy to fall into habit. It's the belief system. It's the core activity program. It's habit. Like you said, like I, it was weird the other day I was in the gym with my son, Jaden. And I was like, bro, I don't, I don't be mad all the time in the morning anymore. That's weird. Like, I've been working. <laughs> what a at novel this, idea. Yeah, yeah. Like I've been working at this so long, bro. It actually works a little bit. Holy crap. That's amazing. And so like to hit that uh, and to realize that I can overcome that. Granted, I have woken up angry since then, or, you know, I've woken up and gotten into anger since then, but it is no longer my default. And I can recognize, oh, bro, you're back in that default again. Be careful. And I pop out of it. So mm. it's really interesting to see how long it takes to, to break that bad habit. Like, um, you know, if you have a, a glass full of Pepsi and you put it in your in your sink and then you start running clean water through it. It's going to take a while for all the Pepsi to get out and all the water to clarify in that glass. And so that's kind of the way I look at these poor habits, you know, uh, and it's very easy to walk away from the new habits because your glass doesn't get clear right away. Mm -hmm. And so the, the practice is waiting for your glass to fill and get all the old stuff out and go clear and run healthy, happy, new, and on that clean fuel. So yeah, it's, it's weird. It's, it's a practice. It's a struggle. It's a journey. And you know, we make it through, right? <laughs> yep. There's a, uh, there's an article. I read it a couple of years ago and I'll have to go back and try and track it down. I'm sure a little bit of Googling will turn it up, but it was about a, uh, it was a men's health and fitness magazine article about this guy who 
was like in crazy good shape. I think he's like a stunt coordinator for movies. And the whole reason that he was in such good shape, I mean, he worked out and he tried really hard at it, but he equally like didn't really like sweets. Like it was never anything that really crossed his radar because he's like, yeah, I just, I never had a sweet tooth. It was easy to not snack. And so he did this, it's almost kind of like the movie supersized me. Like he did this challenge because his wife liked to bake to kind of stop working out and eat snacks for a month and see what happens. And this dude ended up getting like super, uh, he developed a sweet tooth and he like really liked snacking and he lost muscle mass and he definitely gained some fat. And (laughs) when it was all over, he was like, oh, well, I'm going to do it for 30 days. I'll probably gain some weight all whatever. And then I'll just go back. And he was like, it wasn't that, you know, it was, it wasn't that I'm, I'm used to exercising. I could go back, but changing. He's like, it yeah. was equally yeah. hard to go from like wanting to wake up and do push-ups and lift weights to wanting to wake up and eat, you know, muffins for breakfast. And then, you know, 30, 60 days later, it was just as hard for him to wake up and to not eat donuts and to go back to jogging and to, you know, smoothies and stuff. And it's just that same perspective of like, it's the change that's hard. Like Robbie was saying, it's, you know, you wake up one day and all of a sudden you're just like, Oh, I'm not default mad anymore. And it's not that getting out of being angry was hard. It's that the actual process of change, in conditioning your body and your mind to do these different things, it's a fucking struggle because you always want to relapse and you always want to slip. And it does take that time and you have to discipline yourself. And whether it's going from running five miles a day to eating donuts or going from eating donuts to running five miles a day, like no matter what side of the spectrum you're on, whether it's trying to get more aggressive versus trying to not be mad all the time, like just the change is what's yeah. hard. Yeah. It's not any, anything that you're looking at. Don't look at it as insurmountable odds of like, Oh, well, I want to take better compliments. I want to be nice. I want to this. That's not hard. It's the change. that's hard. You can do any fucking thing that you want. Uh, you just have to be willing to face up the change. It's not that the finish line is hard. It's just running that marathon. Yeah. Yeah. But not, yeah. not to be too cheesy, but you can do it because you're harder. Ooh. Ooh. I like what you just said, Dusty. That's a great takeaway. That's like a lifetime takeaway. It's not, it's not been said to me like that before, but like, that's a really good way to think. Well, it's the change that is hard because either way, you're going to have a difficult decision. Wouldn't you want to choose the better difficult decision? Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's kind of that grass is always greener thing. Like it's, it's not that what's over there is better necessarily. It's you've got to pick what you want and need for you. It's just that it's always somewhere else. And if it was as easy to obtain it as flipping a light switch or grabbing it off the shelf at the store, you know, we'd all have fucking six pack abs and be living our best lives right now. But, uh, you know, mentally, physically, whatever it is, it's the fact that you got to drive states away and find it at some special novelty store. It's that whole journey that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And the journey is the destination. Oh, yeah. that's the difficult part, you know, like, because when you get there and you get the, 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 the thing from the store, cool, doesn't really change your life that much. No. It's yeah. Change your life. It's the hard it part. It wouldn't struggle. mean nearly as much if you, if we didn't struggle, that's the perfect word for it. If, 
if you didn't have to fight and struggle to get things, then you wouldn't really, it wouldn't mean appreciate much. them much. Yeah. Well, dude, like my Cadillac was being a pain in the ass. I couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. So every time I drove it, I was breaking down. Other day we got it fixed and I'm driving it the other day and I'm like, wow, I appreciate this so much more now. <laughs> down on me, you know, like, cause for a while there, I had a really expensive paperweight in my garage. And now I have this vehicle that brings me joy and peace and fun when I drive it. Uh, but like I allowed it to really weigh hard on me that it wasn't working for a while. And it's funny too, cause like so many things, I feel like life is kind of like a slingshot where it pulls back and it's just like so much tension. And then all of a sudden things just start to like fall into place and catapult uh. forward, you know? Um, and it's like when you focus on all the things going backwards and creating that tension, you're like, ah! it's so stressy. But like, if you just know that, Hey, this is the part of the journey now. So we can get to this. It's a oh, totally, yeah. you know, your, your journey now is totally different. Sometimes because you got to stop fighting the universe and just let it give you what it has in store for you. Surrender. Yeah, if you're um, going to just have your slingshot barely be pulled back, how far are you really going to, what's your momentum right. really going to be like? Right. Yeah. It's going to be like, exactly. ping. <laughs> yeah, cool. Wow. That was anticlimactic. You know, you <laughs> fucking take down buildings when it's, when it shoots forward, you know, you want it, you want it to be powerful. So, yeah. Um, so we've run over time again, uh, which is normal for us. We should really so, make this two hours. Right. <laughs> Because I didn't even get to talk to you about what I wanted to talk to you about. Okay, yet. well, you know what? Before we, uh, since we don't have anything else, bring it on. What's up? What do you need to talk about? Two subjects you touched on during the um, Tattoo Collecting 101. Okay. Tattoo therapy. Yes. Big time. Ink therapy. I am looking to be certified in Reiki healing. Okay. So that I can do Reiki while I'm doing the tattoo. Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah with permission of course but i already kind of practiced a form of ink therapy a lot of my clients call coming to me ink therapy because they get to unload everything and yep. you know they're still going through pain but they're going through that pain is cathartic because they know something beautiful is going to come out of the end right right so even though it's a painful process they can talk about the things that are giving them other pain yeah, yeah. And while they're being going through the pain, and then at the end, they have a beautiful picture to show for it. You got a souvenir to remind them of their healing. Yes, exactly. I do a lot of ink therapy. Yeah. But I want to get certified in Reiki healing because it's laying on hands. Yeah. And that's what you already do with tattooing anyway. Yeah. I feel like they should go hand in hand. And then when you add, when you add electricity on top of that, it actually like supercharges your energy that's coming from you. Exactly. Um, yeah. So you got a lot of energy transfer. Absolutely. And I'm very empathic. And it took me a long time to learn how to ground, center, and shield so that it didn't right. carry others, you know, load with me when I was done and be able to ground out their energy in, into the universe so that it can do what it wants. And I'm not carrying that energy with me. It took me yeah. a little while. <sighs> but yeah. I, I'm very good at, you know, sloughing it off and letting it go do something positive rather than it be negative. 
Yeah. And just yeah. send, you know, their negativity and everything they just unloaded right back into the universe. Yeah. Because yeah. the universe isn't positive or negative. Right. It just is. It's the practitioner that's positive or negative. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. And you bring this up um, because you want guidance or you're looking for confirmation. Um, a little confirmation. You're the first person other than me I've ever heard of talking about tattooing in a therapeutic form. Uh, uh, you're going to hear it everywhere now that you've opened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a big Beat. thing. And like even Ben said it, how many shops are named ink therapy? You know, yeah. so it is a real thing. I've been having people tell me that ink is therapy for them for a while. I've been getting heavily tattooed lately. And like, even though I just sat two days and I hated a lot of it, um, it was still a very therapeutic experience. Yes. Um, uh, spending time with people that I love and respect and uh, uh, can grow and learn from. Um, just the, the, the fact that I can sit and deal with pain like that. Yeah. Uh, it's magical and powerful. Uh, makes me feel pretty strong and pretty, pretty in tune and pretty in line. Uh, and then the fact that I can't really do a whole lot when I'm getting tattooed. Yeah, you're forced oh. to actually be at rest. Right, and that's my me time. Yeah. And now, because of the last two days, I need some me time because that shit was rough. But um, <laughs> it was definitely a, a form of self-love, and it's weird that one of my forms of self-love is beating the shit out of myself. Um, <laughs> There's a fine line between pleasure and pain. Right, and you know, for me, that the therapeutic nature of that, um, it's really powerful. And then to walk away with... Um, the message that this tattoo gave me that I've been seeking uh, for so long. And it's funny. And I'm, I'm, I'm working on my relationship with money and uh, it says, look at me now, which is this Paul wall song. And it's funny. Cause I looked at it and I was like, wow, look, looks like it says a hundred K at me. And like, so now I have this, that shit. Right, dude. Now I have this double entendre of like, Look at me now in the reference to the song, but 100K yeah. working on this relationship with money and like having this little hidden Easter egg that I didn't even ask for that just kind of got thrown in there and the universe brings it to me. So the therapeutic nature of that and then having my best friend hit me up uh, and he, he, he recited one of the words from the song to me and he's like, bro, every fucking time that song brings me something. And this dude's a doctor. So like, it's so cool that this Paul Wall song will, will inspire a doctor, will inspire a tattooer, you know, can inspire anyone. Uh, and now I have this message, you know, carved onto my body um, forever. And it's a message I've been dying to get. And I never considered the tattoo was going to go in this spot, but I'm so glad it did because it's one of the few visible spots I had left that were open rather than cover up. So it was a really interesting it's really interesting, the therapeutic nature of all of that. And I didn't even realize how much was all in there until I started unpacking it verbally with you guys. Mm -hmm. uh, so really cool. The amount of therapy we can, we can give and take from tattooing. Um, yes. You know, tattooing Gary with no arms and legs, that's hugely therapeutic for me. That's why I couldn't charge him. You know, he kept talking about money, and I'm like, dog, don't even worry about me. Like, I'm here for you today. Yeah. And, you know, 
And then when we were done with his chest, we worked on one of his nubs and we put a rocky texture all over his nub. Oh, nice. And, and he's like, dude, you changed my life. He's like, I fucking hate the way these fucking scars look. This shit's gross. This shit's terrible. I fucking, I hate looking at it. And now you've made me love my body again. Like, and so that, you know, the therapy involved on both sides of that was huge. And his wife was there and like, she's a fucking gem. So it was just like this beautiful day of just love that the tattoo studio allows me to give. Uh, Robbie, do you think you could invite him on the show sometime? Absolutely. Well, that would be that awesome. really cool. um, Some of the YouTube comments are going. Uh, Mike G says, thank you, Creature. I know you just joined, but she says she loves a reinventing family. So that's awesome. Creature. Yeah. So it's, it's cool. And dude, and I really love the reinventing family because Lauren, you remember that day that I was like, uh, I don't even want to be here because I feel like you guys don't want to be here and I'm fucking having a hard time being an imposter. And, da, da, da. and now it's just like, you know what? I love being here. Um, and honestly, part of it is because I've gotten positive feedback because I was always afraid that nobody would come to the party or even mm -hmm. want to come to the party. And the fact that now I party. See, thank you. And the fact that I see people want to come to the party, I see people are enjoying the party. I mean, you just keep bringing all these lovely children in. <laughs> You know, the fact that people want to come to this party and it's a party that the world kind of needs. Um, you know, Amber, you and Medusa are really a big part of that change and that shift for me. Uh, oh, I'm glad. Because you guys keep showing up and obviously it's because there's there's something you're getting from it. And uh, it's really I nice. love your energy and you're great to talk to. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You oh, yeah. flipped the switch in my head that hadn't been flicked before. And I'm like, wait a minute, what am I doing? Thank you so much. And it's just, it's so cool to see so many people saying that. You have no idea the good you guys are putting back into my life. And um, that healthy void that I'm filling, you know, uh, with receiving all of this good from humans. Uh, yeah, it's it's finally, I'm, I feel, I feel finally I need to fucking receive it. Otherwise I'm a true fraud. So <laughs> thanks everyone for continuing to help me receive. And Amber, I know you said that's a good point. What's that? That's a good point. I need to receive it. Otherwise I really am a true fraud. Right. If I'm teaching, <laughs> if I'm out here teaching people how to live, but I ain't living. Well, what the fuck? Exactly. <laughs> I'm trash mm -hmm. if I'm doing that. So I can't be on that level. But yeah, you said you had two things you wanted to bring up. Number two was microdosing. That is so funny. I am in a microdose regimen right now. Yeah, I, you mentioned that. So am I. Okay, okay. Um, I'll do it for a month and then I'll take a month or two off. And then I'll start microdosing again for about 30 days. And it completely changed my life really has i mean i i literally got up and changed the entire course of my life that's amazing and that that was my hope with it um and i noticed the other day i microdosed and i went in the shop and i didn't go around the fucking shop with a fine a fine tooth comb ready to kill somebody because my place isn't perfect you mm -hmm. know and then even furthermore I was like, okay, well, maybe it's just because I drove the Cadillac today. So the next day, my son brings me into work in his car. And uh, I was the same way. I didn't mm. need to kill anything or anyone. Then I was like, wow, 
maybe this stuff works. And it's wild because I did some seminars at Hell City a couple years ago uh, in Phoenix. And I was microdosing there. And I really didn't. I think I was much deeper in a darker place. Yeah. And it wasn't I wasn't able to, to see the good in it. It didn't I didn't see the flip switch. But now the switch has flipped and it's really it's really cool. And now, like, I don't want to look back. Now I know I can yeah. get the results out of life that I wanted to get, which is a happy, healthy, well-balanced, peaceful, enjoyable life. Like um, I talked about it on Tattoo Collecting 101 at 3 a.m. during the storm, me, Donna, and my son, Jaden, were sitting on the back porch. Me and Jaden were out here smoking joints and just talking. And, you know, we, we all talked about some really serious shit in the house. And Donna was like, you know, if you want to hustle again, you can hustle again. You know, since the baby, I really cut my hustle back big time. Hmm. And I was like, and when she said that, I was like, ew. Dude. I don't go fucking run around hustling again. Like, you know, a hustle's cool, but I hustled so many years of my life and it didn't get me rich or peaceful. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I was wealthy enough, but like, I was always worried about the money and I still wasn't at peace. So now I'm like on this whole, oh, well, thanks for the, thanks for the permission slip to hustle. But um, yeah, I'd rather live some because I really, I was worried that like, oh, am I not hustling enough? Am I fucking up life because I'm not hustling? You know, do, do I need to get back on my grind? And it's like, no, man, your grind right now is love, dude. And you've been preaching love for so many fucking years. When are you going to put it on yourself and stop just giving all the love away? And take some for yourself and then give some away, too. You won't have enough to give away if you don't give some to yourself. Right. Because I'll die. And you, you got to put on the mask first before you help others, you know? And that's the thing. I, I don't want to die due to lack of love. I don't want to die due to lack of peace. I don't want to drive myself crazy with the things that I'm very good at driving myself crazy with. You know? I, like, I love that you're saying that you don't want to hustle while I'm looking from like, I feel like we're friends from a fairly insider's perspective that you run a class every Tuesday. You're involved in coaching programs. We do this every Monday. You own a tattoo studio. You still actually tattoo at it. You have an awesome wife, multiple kids that are rad. You've got a new or basically newborn. You're dipping your hands in other stuff. Like you're, you're a pretty busy guy. Well, and that's the thing. Hey, you're absolutely <laughs> and so you know what the hustle doesn't look the same anymore yeah you can you can yeah. fix the hustle to fit your situation right but you can never you can never quite escape it right because i like a hustle but i don't want to kill myself in the hustle and yeah. speak is too much for me i never thought i'd say that but like i used to feel stupid saying that it's just too fucking much for me it's giving too much of my life away and so yeah, like you can you can switch the tattoo hustle to the entrepreneur hustle, the right. coaching hustle, the dad hustle. You can spread it out, but you're you're definitely a little bit of a busy buddy. Game recognized mm. game. Like you will definitely yeah. always stay busy. Absolutely. And you know, it's funny because like I have investments that I don't even touch or do anything with other than like putting a little attention and putting a little money into them every so often. And that's also part of the hustle. So like yeah, it's funny that I that I say, you know, I'm not I'm not going to hustle, but the hustle has changed. And that's the thing. The change is hard, right? To acknowledge yeah. hustle has changed is weird. But like, 
you know, I thought that my life was going to get instantly easier when I started coaching. It didn't. It's just a, it's just a different version of hustle, you know, but like it has gotten easier and I've settled into what it really is more. And like, I love my coaching classes now. Like I am so excited to be there and to teach and to give and to grow and like having, you know, having somebody say last week, I don't really get this. And then like tabling that discussion in front of the whole class and having the whole class feed into that person and like in, in turn feed into me and teach me things that I needed to learn about how to teach. So it's been, it's been a really beautiful journey and acknowledging how the hustle changes is super cool. Uh, and that's, so yeah, that, that's, that's a great thing to bring up. Sometimes your hustle just shifts and ain't mm. Yeah, and, and before I get before I go to bed tonight, I'm gonna record a video for the Rad Movement because it's my Monday video. So yeah, I'm always doing something. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> um, guys, if I'm gonna chime in before we uh, cut out today, uh, thanks again, Mike. He says I love how tattoo healing reminds me that change and healing sometimes look ugly, and it doesn't seem to be going in the right direction. And having patience is the key to allowing that change to happen. Also, yeah. creature uh, commented. Yeah. Buddha said, "If your philosophy doesn't include compassion for yourself, then you need a better philosophy." Yeah. Mic drop. Yeah. Damn. Those comments, though. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. What was that, Amber? There's creature coming in clutch with the, with the truth. For real, fucking <laughs> drop. For yourself Dude. first. Oh, wow, wow. Whew. So Amber, are you good or do you need to do you need to have some more oh, talk? I'm good. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I think we're good for today. Uh, I love and appreciate every single one of you that views, every single one of you that jumps in. Uh, Dusty, my other host, my man, Amber, uh, the third host. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, it is always amazing to see your smiling face. Um, you are someone that I did not expect to ever meet and someone that brings a lot of value and joy to my life. So thank, thank you. Thank you. I my really And yeah, man, uh, fuck yeah, I love you guys. You guys are sick. Um, thanks You're for joining. Awesome. Uh, real quick, as usual, can we do a call out around the, around the table before I uh, end things today and how people can find you? Dusty? Oh, what, again? Yeah, just tell uh, everybody uh, maybe your Instagram or how people can find you and yeah before we sign off. Yeah, hit that, Dusty. Yeah, um, my Instagram is Mo Bunny Mo Problems. Uh, I actually, it's weird to say because it just, just happened. I just switched shops, but I'm at Royal Prevail Tattoo in Fairborn, Ohio now. Uh, still traveling all the time. Actually, my next convention, I get to tattoo with you, Robbie. We're doing, yeah. uh, I, I did like six conventions and guest spots in a span of six weeks and I get to chill out for the first half of October. And then I'm coming to tattoo with you in Tampa. And then I'm doing pit row in Atlanta with Hip and Alexis and Tyler right afterwards. That'll be a blast. Both of those are going to be awesome shows. Uh, and I'm in Ohio and I'm always traveling and having fun. But Mo Bunny Mo Problems on Instagram or here every Monday at 5 p.m. Cool. Hell yeah. Amber, go ahead and you throw a little bit out too. Why not? All right. My name's Amber Morgane. You can find me on Instagram under Amber Morgane. And on Facebook under Looking Glass Inc. and Amber Morgan Originals. 
And you can usually find me on a couple of the podcasts for reinventing. And if you're in the market for some ink therapy in Amber's market, go hit her up. Um, and where, where do you live? I live in Jersey, South Jersey. Okay, okay. About 20 minutes outside of Atlantic City. Okay, cool. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, I am Robbie Rapol. Uh, my social media is always Robbie Rapol. Also, the Rad Movement on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, and if you are interested in any type of coaching with me, I am offering group programs, uh, single one-on-one, one-off calls, and full-on immersive one-on-one -on -one coaching for six to 12 months. Uh, shoot me a DM if you're interested in any of those things and are ready to fully change your life. And I will chime in once more to say reinventing the tattoo. Thank you so much for being an awesome site and a treasure trove of knowledge and hosting a bunch of fun stuff like this and the critiques and all the fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Without reinventing, we wouldn't be here exactly right now at this moment. Um, and I wouldn't be doing this weekly show. So super appreciative of that. And um, the opportunities that it brings. So yeah, much love to Guy, Gabe, reinventing the whole fucking crew back there. Because I know there's a lot of y'all making these things work. <laughs> well, um, for everybody watching, thank you. You can watch the replay on YouTube. You can set up reminders for any upcoming events. And then also on our Roku channel and anywhere you ingest your podcasts so um we'll see you guys next week for episode 13 hell yeah Thank you. have a see great night all right uh, you too bye guys see you later